Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Years ago, I moved from a very small town to a remote valley out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by national forest and not many neighbors. It was just what I had always wanted. At that point in my life, I had been a paramedic for about four or five years, and being an outdoorsy, civic-minded sort, I decided to volunteer my services with a local search and rescue organization. For being such a tiny, poorly funded organization, we were surprisingly busy. In the nine years I was with them, we'd have at least one rescue, sometimes several, every weekend, spring through fall. The source of the majority of these calls was the roughly 100 miles of poorly maintained fire trails that were very popular with dirt bike and quad riders. When they'd inevitably get lost or wreck and get injured, we'd head out, track them down, provide medical care, and fly them out on a helicopter or put them on a Stokes basket mounted to a janky ass trailer thing we'd pull with a quad. About two weeks after joining, and with zero training beyond what I'd learned as a Boy Scout and medic, I got my first call. 
A group of dirt bikers from the city had lost a member of their party. For some reason, they had put their least experienced rider at the back of the group of a dozen or so riders and took off into the woods. When they returned to the trailhead four hours later, the inexperienced guy was missing. They set out again and looked for him for four or five hours, then gave up and called 911. The time interval from the initial 911 call until we had a squad assembled at the trailhead was pretty impressive, no more than 20 minutes. But we were already eight or nine hours behind the ball. We did a very quick briefing, distributed maps, divided into teams, then set off. They put me on a quad with the most experienced guy and we headed out. The plan was for each two to three-person team to take one of the longer trails that ringed the place. Then, after searching those, we'd systematically work out way into the shorter, maze-like trails that made up the interior. This was to be a hasty search. None of that grid search crap. Just riding around looking for clues. I don't know what I had expected, exactly. Maybe a few dirt roads through the woods or something. But these trails were an absolute nightmare. They were extremely rugged, technical trails where you really had to know what the F you were doing and where you were going or you'd never make it out. GPS rarely worked due to the rugged terrain and tree cover. Radios and cell phones were a crapshoot and the maps didn't account for all the random trails riders would just sort of make. The only marked roads were fire breaks and mileage-wise those accounted for maybe 10% of the trials. Why this guy hadn't been partnered with someone or put at the front of the group is a mystery. Four hours into this, I'm caked with mud, bleeding from being hit with branches, exhausted and just done. We take a water break and hear broken radio traffic that sounds like the bike has been found, but no rider. It's only a couple of miles from us, so we head that direction. When we get there, the bike is off to the side of the road, along with the quads of the other teams, but we can see them a few hundred feet in the woods. We walk over and find them looking down at the missing person, who is very dead. Lips blue, skin dusky, arms spread out like a cross. On first glance, his eyes look to be wide open and solid white, but when I examined him, I could see that his eyes were actually covered with fly eggs. Dude had been dead a while. It didn't make sense, though. His bike still had gas in it. He had water and food, and he was a healthy guy in his late 20s. Why was he dead? It looked like he had simply laid his bike down, then ran into the woods to die. Mission accomplished, I guess. We wrapped him in blankets, then put him on the stokes and took him to the trailhead where the coroner was waiting. About a week later, I ran into the coroner and asked what the cause of death had been. The pathologist's determination was cardiac dysthymia secondary to extreme anxiety. The guy had literally died of fright, which up to that point I had always assumed was Hollywood BS. I've always wondered what was going through his head. Was he just afraid of the woods or of being lost? If so, why did he run blindly into the woods instead of continuing to follow the trail? There's a part of me that thinks he may have seen something out there. I've heard a lot of stories about weird crap in these woods, and I've seen a few strange things myself, so it wouldn't surprise me. I'd been a park ranger for several years, and 
I loved the solitude and beauty of the remote areas I patrolled. It was early winter, and I was out on a routine patrol, making sure that everything was in order and that there were no signs of poachers or other illegal activities. As I was walking along a snow-covered trail, I noticed something strange in the snow ahead of me. At first, I thought it was just a set of footprints from a large animal, like a moose or a bear. But as I got closer, I realized that these footprints were different. They were much larger than any animal I had seen before, and the shape was unlike anything I had ever seen. The footprints were also spaced much farther apart than any animal could manage, indicating that whatever had made them was incredibly fast and powerful. I followed the footprints, trying to keep my excitement and curiosity under control. The snow was deep, and I had to trudge through it, but I couldn't resist the mystery of the prints. As I followed the trail deeper into the woods, I became aware of a strange feeling that I was being watched. It was an eerie sensation, and I couldn't shake it off, no matter how hard I tried. Suddenly, I heard a loud noise that made me jump. I turned around quickly and saw a dark shape moving quickly towards me. It was the creature that had made the footprints, and it was headed straight for me. I froze in terror, unsure of what to do. The creature lunged at me, and I stumbled backward, barely managing to avoid its attack. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. Its body was covered in thick fur, and it had long, sharp claws and teeth that glinted in the dim light. It was much taller than any human, and its eyes glowed a bright yellow in the darkness. I scrambled to my feet, my heart pounding in my chest. I tried to run, but the creature was too fast. It chased me through the woods, its hot breath on my neck and its claws tearing at my jacket. I was certain that I was going to die, that this creature was going to tear me apart and eat me alive. But suddenly, as quickly as it had appeared, the creature vanished into the night. I was left alone in the woods, my heart still racing, and my mind reeling with fear and confusion. What had I just seen? Was it some sort of legendary cryptid? A creature that only existed in myth and legend? I made my way back to the ranger station. My thoughts consumed by the strange encounter. I knew that I had to report what I had seen, but I also knew that no one would believe me. Who would believe that I had come face to face with a creature that was supposed to be nothing more than a legend? My mom lives in Sun Valley in one of the last neighborhoods at the base of the Sawtooth Mountain Range. So to give a better idea, it's past Sun Valley Ski Resort on your way to Stanley Redfish Lake area, but a bit before Smiley Creek Lodge. Anyways, the house sits next to the road with a tree line in front of it and across the way is wooded area with a small river running through it. My husband and I would spend many nights on the front porch with his mom, as she doesn't sleep much and occasionally would sleep in the trailer out front, and every time you'd get this horribly uneasy feeling that something was watching you. There's plenty of wildlife out there, deer or elk, bears, raccoons, etc., that would come into the yard at night, but this being watched feeling always made you scan the trees, like something was hiding in the trees just watching us waiting. The most notable times it'd be the middle of summer, no wind, and you'd hear the trees rushing and see them moving as if something was moving in them, and we'd see a much darker figure moving about them, tall slender, or if you ever heard of slender. This is what I can most relate the figure to. 
The nights we'd sleep in the trailer, you could hear something tapping on the doors and windows we'd blame the trees. But the trees honestly weren't close enough to tap like that. And her dog would always run to the same spot in the front yard, backyard, and garage and just start barking like there was an intruder every night. Sometime when you'd go to get the dog to stop barking, you'd hear something in the distance, move off quickly, would try to brush it off as wildlife, but it was always the same places, and it would be the darkest areas. Pretty sure the dog saw something we didn't. I've had other experiences with the dreaded feeling of being watched or followed and seeing a tall, slender shape amongst the trees, both in the Sawtooth Mountain Range, the South Hills' most creepy experience there and my own neighborhoods in town. I really believe Idaho is full of cryptic, unknown creatures simply because of the emptiness and all the strangeness that Idaho seems to harness. Totally believe you guys ended up camping in something's home and you were not welcomed. Glad everyone is okay. One wall, one wall, one wall, one wall. The date was January 10, 2021. It was a cold night with a slight fog outside my hometown of Tunkhannock in northeast Pennsylvania. Many nights I liked to take long walks in order to clear my mind from the busy day. I walked on the rural road by this large patch of woods not far from my home. On my right is an old building with two small wooden houses beside it. As I'm looking I notice movement. Then I see an eight to ten foot pale white figure briskly walk across the road from one of the houses to the woods, about fifty feet from me. I know I saw something, so I quickly continued forward. Whatever it was, I wanted nothing to do with it, and I now wanted to get home as fast as possible. A minute or two later, I look up. Again, I see this pale figure that is now on all fours, but still five feet tall at the shoulder. It is about 100 feet in the woods to the left of me. It had bleached white skin, a bald head, and huge black eyes. It had a human face and body, except it looked extremely emaciated and its arms were like super long. It started to sway its body back and forth like a mantis. This is when I ran as fast as I could. I only looked back after I ran for a solid five minutes and I don't believe it had chased me. I was very close to home and I was concerned that this pale humanoid was lurking about so near to where I live. I have no idea what I saw, but I know that it was real, not an apparition. I know that you have written a book about these pale humanoids and I wonder if this may be what you described as a crawler. Thanks. I'm a Native American. And I have a story to tell you. Your listeners may believe it or not. I don't care. I just want to tell it. So this happened a month ago. I had not been back to my reservation in years, and I was not sure what to expect when I returned. But as soon as I arrived, I knew that something was wrong. My people told me that Rez was plagued by a curse that had been passed down through generations, and the people were living in fear. I began to investigate since the story was interesting and I realized that the source of the curse may be closer to home than I thought. My first stop was the tribal elder. I told him that people speak about some kind of curse. He said that's true. 
and told me about the curse that had been cast upon us many generations ago, a curse that had brought sickness and death to our people. He told me of the sacrifices that had been made to try to appease the spirits, but nothing had worked. I was interested. As I'm not fan of supernatural, this intrigued me. I knew that I had to find the source of the curse, and I started with my own family. My father had died when I was young, and my mother had never talked about him. But as I started asking questions, I began to realize that there was more to his death than I had ever known. I talked to my mother's sister, who told me that my father had been involved in some dark magic before he died. She didn't know much more than that, but it was enough to make me suspicious. I went to my mother and I asked her about my father's involvement in the curse. She looked at me with sad eyes and told me the story of my father's descent into darkness. He had become obsessed with breaking the curse and had started experimenting with black magic. He had sacrificed animals and even other people in his quest for power. My mother had tried to stop him, but he had become too powerful. He had turned on her and she had barely escaped with her life. She had never spoken of him again until now. As I dug deeper into old family case files, I found evidence that my father had been working with others in the community. They had all been trying to break the curse, but they had gone too far. They had used dark magic to try to control the spirits, and the spirits had turned on them. I figured that the curse had been created by our own people, and that we had been living with the consequences ever since. I don't know if this is real or not, or how to break this curse, but at least I found a truth about my father. Think about this waiver you will. My family and I were recently on a trip in Glasgow. We stayed in this fantastic hotel that had obviously been around a while. Lots of plaques and photos of famous people who had stayed, etc. The first night I woke up, though not abruptly really, to what I can only describe as a present. I heard distinctly, and by that I mean somehow the words entered my brain, but it wasn't quite a voice per se someone say, I'm watching you. But it wasn't scary at all somehow. I was absolutely matter-of-fact. I don't have any other experiences like this, and I've always thought of myself as a big scaredy cat, so I, I have no idea how I fell back to sleep. Not only that, I woke up the next day feeling great and didn't even remember to tell anyone. The morning following the next night, my mom, who was sharing the room with me, says at breakfast you all... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
aren't going to believe me, but I swear someone was in our room last night. I remember thinking, just be still and let them finish whatever they're doing. Needless to say, this jogged my memory and I relayed my experience. The fact that we had two independent experiences in the same room kinda confirms for me that something is in that hotel. I asked the staff right before we left and they kinda smiled and said, not sure, but you're not the first to mention this. I'd been a park ranger for nearly a decade, but I had never seen anything like this before. I was on my usual patrol route when I noticed strange tracks in the woods. They didn't match any known animal species, and they seemed to be leading to an area of the forest that was off-limits to the public. As I followed the tracks deeper into the woods, a sense of unease settled over me. Something didn't feel right. The forest was eerily silent, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After a few hours of following the tracks, I stumbled upon a clearing. In the center of the clearing was a small abandoned building that looked like it hadn't been used in years. As I approached the building, I heard strange noises coming from inside. I slowly pushed open the door, and what I saw inside sent shivers down my spine. There were strange machines and equipment that I had never seen before, and in the center of the room was a large metallic cylinder. As I approached the cylinder, I noticed that it was covered in strange symbols and markings. Suddenly, the cylinder began to glow, and I was knocked back by a powerful force. When I came to, I knew that something had gone terribly wrong. I could hear strange whispers in my mind, and I knew that I had been exposed to something that I couldn't fully comprehend. Over the next few days, I began to notice changes in myself. My senses were heightened, and... I could sense things that I couldn't explain. And then one night I saw it. It was a creature unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was humanoid in shape, but its skin was mottled and gray, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. It had razor-sharp claws and teeth, and I knew that it was the source of the strange tracks in the woods. I tried to catch it, but it was too fast. It tackled me, and I went flying into the woods. I tried to get back on my feet, but I was dizzy and disoriented. I knew that I was in grave danger, but I couldn't bring myself to leave the woods. As the days passed, I began to piece together what had happened. The government had been conducting secret experiments in the woods, and I had stumbled upon one of their failed experiments. The creature that I had encountered was the result of their twisted experiments, and now it was loose in the woods. I knew that I had to stop it but I also knew that I couldn't do it alone. I contacted the authorities, but they dismissed my claims as the ramblings of a madman. And so, I remain in the woods, a lone ranger battling a creature that shouldn't exist. I don't know how long I can hold out, but I do know that I won't give up until the creature is captured or destroyed. Today, me and my mom went to my mom's friend's cottage in a remote area to bury her pet bearded dragon that was stored in her freezer for like three months. She was a beloved pet, and she had wanted to bury her earlier, but her brother wanted to dig the hole, so she had to wait because he lives in another province, and he owns the property. 
While her brother was digging, he actually claims to have found the foundation of the first house in the area where the whole family died in a fire. They, my mom and her friend, were kind of scared that was bad juju or something, but did it anyways. Previously, her brother found artifacts like coins from the 18th century and children's bones, according to him. I believe him on the coins, but I'm skeptical about children's bones. Is it bad juju to bury a pet in a place that could be haunted? I didn't feel or see any haunted stuff while there or have anything bad happen to me. We read the Rainbow Bridge and told her we would meet her again one day. I felt like she was at peace or in a better place. She died at age 14 and didn't want to eat or drink anymore near the end. I burned sage the whole time and it burned so hot we had to put it in the fire pit. I saw something in the fire pit that looked like a cross between a cockamissile with a lemur's face. Its body was kind of cat-like. It was striped, but smoke-colored, like the sage smoke. But then it suddenly disappeared. It seemed obviously spectral to me. It didn't seem like a bad or ominous spirit. What could it have meant if it had a meaning? A few years ago, me and three of my buddies went for what was supposed to be an overnight hiking camping trip in the Smokies. After about three hours of hiking, we were just starting to set up camp for the night when a freak thunderstorm hit us out out now here. We scrambled to pack up our stuff and miraculously managed to find a very small cave, not big enough for any animals to be hiding in it. It was more like a rocky alcove that had just enough space to shield the four of us from the rain. We spent the night in the cave. One of my friends even started showing symptoms of hypothermia, but thankfully I had an emergency blanket in my backpack that helped him. The next morning we tried to find our way back to the trail. It took us two hours of hiking to realize we were very lost. It took us three days to find our way back to civilization. We went camping in Virginia a few years ago. Throughout the evening, we could hear what sounded like some sort of exotic bird 150-200 yards away, and it was loud. It started getting late, and the fire was winding down, so we decided to turn in. We each had our own tent, and I got bedded down and broke out the Kindle to read a bit. About 45 minutes later, I could hear something walking around my tent. Didn't give a second thought as I grew up in the country with deer, possum, raccoons, etc. Then all of a sudden, whatever that bird was let off one of those piercing caws about 12 inches away from my head through the wall of the tent, and I about shit myself. The fear went away quickly once I realized it was the bird, but it scared me so bad I was laughing at myself. This story is from my girlfriend's perspective, and she still, to this day, has no idea what she encountered. So to begin, this story happened back in 2018. I arrived in this small rural town near Cape May. The company I was working for at the time was sending me out to go door to door, advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy, with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. 
It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge, and it was a weird, tense atmosphere that I shrugged off, as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a Red Bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all, surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, the scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off of the main road. I had to stop at different streets, and some were in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless roads. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula, you had to go down a very long road, past a summer camp area, past a trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small expensive houses, and shore access. The houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they looked so expensive. Every house had its own land, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside, whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back to avoid being alone on that long, deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark in isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path, so far so good, as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road, I was walking a bit faster, since there were no street lights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace, I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. No crickets, no birds, just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks and got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements and then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No. It looked like a large dog. But dogs don't get this big. Though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was hadn't noticed me. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want it to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman, I would rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone. With a man I don't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance had finally noticed my presence. It was observing me not entirely sure of what to do with me. There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to be a black bear, with a shoulder height of at least five feet on all fours, which is comparable in size to a brown bear. The mass on this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked like a wolf on steroids. It was very muscular. I also noticed that the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German Shepherd, or a wolf, as it had perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl its way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still, and then it dawned on me. 
What I was looking at wasn't a normal animal, and it was simply too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalog of fauna. And if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was simply too big. Though to calm myself down, I threw the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary out because I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe being a large dog or coyote. I also did not believe in cryptids and was completely unaware of what size coyotes are supposed to be, so I made a quick decision. Realizing that this could very well be a life or death situation, I came to the conclusion that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come across to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing, and startling scream or howl I could muster and just sprint the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive, but then it quickly changed its mind to deciding I wasn't worth a fight as it ran a decent distance into the woods. Not too far, though. I decided to sprint as fast as I could past that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road and noticed there was a summer camp area with street lights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pound out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up and still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt like the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit, and I quickly made my way over. I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me, and I told them what had happened to me that night and how I was treated by the locals. The lady of the family, who I presumed to be the mother, said, I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark, and there are creepy people to live around here. The impression she was giving me was that there were animal encounters she couldn't explain, and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area, and people who should have been arrested but haven't been. She was equally concerned about the people as she was, the animals around this place. This gave me goosebumps. How many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and not make it to any other houses. To this day, I still have no idea what creature I had encountered. There are strange things in the woods, things people don't speak about or cover up. I felt like the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So weird creature I encountered in those woods, let's never meet again. There was two men pulling a big black duffel bag. We were up high on a hill, so they couldn't really see us. They had shovels. We watched pretending to be spies, sharing the binoculars. When they looked in our way, we ran. We ran back to the bikes, then rode back to camp as fast as possible. At that time, we camped with about 15 other families, travel trailer camping group, 
No one at all believed us. We begged them to call the police. No one believed us. We still tell our family now they should have listened to us. I'm now 35 and my brother and cousin are 32. To this day, no one believes us.